Hi, I'm Brian Boger. Welcome to my podcast, Flipping the Lid. I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur, and well, just a human being like you. I've faced personal tragedy, significant trauma. I've dealt with shame, anger, and self-doubt, all of which have created a ripple effect of damage in my world. I'm grateful that I've learned the importance of looking and going inside to create, repair, unpack, and reach levels of success that I never believed possible. Now as a coach, keynote speaker, and author, I'm fascinated by the stories that have shaped some of our world's most significant and successful individuals. So we're gonna flip the lid and take a look inside the stories that have shaped their lives and success. And we'll be featuring a number of individuals who have literally flipped the lid in their lives and businesses. Welcome to Flipping the Lid. Let's go jump in. Welcome back. Flipping the Lid, you know what we do here by now. We get deep. We look inside the stories that have shaped some of the most significant and successful people. And we have one of those with us today. This is a man that I had the opportunity to meet just a couple of weeks ago. I felt an immediate connection with him as we were sitting in this round table and there just simply to get to know who each other were and to help each other solve our respective biggest problems. The depth of the conversation was amazing and his willingness to be able to demonstrate vulnerability even in a small container with someone he'd never met and the way he navigated questions, answers, and the entire two and a half hours we together just told me that we had to bring him here to feature him. You know, I got to know him a little bit as a man, and I know that he's a husband and father, and that's a huge part of his life and the way that he views things. But he's also a very successful entrepreneur that has built platforms to help many other consultants scale at a massive level. He's got over 50,000 people who subscribe to a weekly newsletter just to tune in to hear what this guy says. And he's been featured on a number of publications. But the reality of it is, is he's a good human being. And Michael Zapersky, I am so happy to have you here today, brother. Hey, Brian, great to be with you. Uh, I appreciate it. So I gave a little bit of an intro on some of the things about who I felt you to be, but I'd love it if you could tell us in your words who you are, brother. Uh, well, as you said, I mean, starting off, I'm a father of two uh, lovely girls and uh, a husband. I do my best to be a present father and husband at all times. Uh, on on the business side, uh, I've uh, co-founder at Consulting Success, where my cousin and I started this about 13 years ago uh, after being consultants for over a decade. And Consulting Success is where we work with entrepreneurial consultants to help them to build more profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. So we work with consultants all around the world in all different industries, uh, now you know several thousand, helping them to just be more successful. Uh, and success for us is not just about making more money, although you know financial freedom is, is certainly uh, important and, and something to work towards. It's also about creating a business that supports the lifestyle that you want to have. And we're very big believers in every business that we've built or sold or been a part of uh, to this point, kind of 23 years in, uh, that we always want to focus on on lifestyle, making sure that our businesses are helping us to achieve the lifestyles that we want. That is incredible. And I appreciate the way that you wrapped that with so much context, not just on who you are, but how you're leading through the world. One of the things that I picked up on from you, Michael, was your focus on the word be as present as possible with your girls. Could you talk to me about what it means for you to be present and how does that focus differ for you between your family and your business life or how does it compare and contrast? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a work in progress uh, for me. And I think 
today more than ever before, you know, we all face a lot of distractions and uh, people or things that are just vying for for our attention. Um, and so I, I, I catch myself often, you know, I'll be at home looking at my phone and right beside me, my, my little daughter is there and, you know, she wants nothing more than to get my attention. So uh, I try and pick up on that stuff and, and recognize that at the end of the day, you know, what's, we're all working hard to build our businesses, but, uh, what we're going to remember and what matters most is, is our families and our loved ones. And so I'm always trying to put that at the forefront, uh, the decisions that I make the time, you know, how I spend my time or structure my time is always focused on what's going to create uh, the best experiences and um, and have it have things set up in a way that are where my my kids really you know feel like I'm there for them so uh, that that bleeds over into business uh, I try and make decisions about my schedule and uh, what I say yes to and what I say no to uh, really putting my my family at the forefront at all times I know that for myself, I have more situations than I care to admit that my kids came up to me and asked me for my attention, said, hey, can you look at this? Can you play with me here? Can we watch this together? Can we listen to this together? And in so many situations, I'm grateful now that I have the contrast, but I also missed a lot of those moments because I wasn't present. It allowed me to understand the value of the current moment even better because of what I lacked or how I saw them look at me in reaction to, well, why is dad not paying attention in this moment? I'd be really curious because you talk about it so clearly and why it's so important. Have there been moments in your life with your kids or your wife that you've lacked presence? And has that had an impact in your relationship with them? Yeah, I mean, there there definitely have been times, and uh, there likely will be more times going forward. If I'm, you know, being honest, because I think uh, all of this is is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of one specific time that that really stands out. Uh, I mean, I know there's been many with my wife over the years where uh, we're just not like we're we're having a conversation and we're trying to to work through something, but we're not we're not really listening to each other. Like we're listening mm-hmm. for what each of us is saying, but we're not actually listening to the other person in a fully full and present way. And so that's something that we've been, you know, we've certainly worked on and made amazing progress on. Um, So I feel very, very happy uh, with that. And with my kids, again, I think the, the cell phone is, is probably the biggest danger that we all have around. It's just so easy to, to pick it up and to be sucked into it and check to check email or to pull up something on, on YouTube. Uh, And so I'll, uh, I'm just trying to get better at that. I'm, you know, I think I might have to take it to an extreme and just put the phone away when I get home mm-hmm. uh, because I, I do find myself picking that up and taking a look at things and not being as present as I'd like to be at all times. Uh, but I, I also find that for me, I'm the kind of person that um, like I'm, I'm not the best at playing the daddy games. I've never really been that way. Like, you know, just mm-hmm. let's play with the dolls. And that's not my, my default approach or, or kind of how I've, it's, it's just not natural for me. Um, but I, I have felt a shift over the last even several months. And I don't know exactly where that's come from. It might just be from me being more conscious and just thinking more about how can I be present? What's really important in life? Um, and again, these are thoughts that are always running through my mind. But as I continue to pay more attention to them and just read and think more and just have new and different perspectives, I think I've, you know, I start to recognize more 
that I don't need to be the best at playing, you know, with dolls or playing the games yeah. that my, my, my two girls want to play, but I just need to be there for them and show up. And, um, and so I've, I continue to enjoy my time with my daughters more and more. Part of it too, is that as they get older, I feel that my connection to them, uh, is stronger than it is before because mm-hmm. we can interact more. I know that, uh, for both my girls, when they were just, you know, like little babies, uh, I didn't feel as, as close of a uh, connection to them. That doesn't mean that I didn't love them. I, I certainly love them, uh, more than, you know, anything in, in the world, but it's different with, uh, in the case of my wife where she's holding them, she's feet, you know, breastfeeding right. them. She's like all that. I, I didn't have that. So, uh, as my daughters, and I'm sure people can relate to this, you know, you, when they start talking, they start walking, they start, oh, yeah. uh, you know, just developing. And, um, and now so my, just for some context, my do- one daughter's turning eight, the other one's turning four. Um, I just, I just love taking them places. I love yeah. going to a restaurant or going for a hike or, you know, just, just whatever it is, but they're just so much fun to be around. So that connection has definitely, uh, been changing and I, I just love where it's going. Yeah. You know, you, you integrated a lot of really interesting components that together and in contrast are, are extremely profound. And you talk about how you and your wife could be in situations where you're communicating, but you're both hearing something completely different, right? I often talk about so often that in situations where I got stuck, it's because I would hear my wife ask me a simple question, but I'd hear it through my shame filter from the trash from my past. And I would hear something that was absolutely nothing to do with what she said. Mm-hmm. And then you also talk so clearly about the ability to interact and communicate with individuals as they grow, right? There's more of an organic and heartfelt connection often from a maternal and feminine energy. And for some of us men who have operated largely intellectually in our lives, it can be really difficult until we can interact and know who they are and have some exchange to really feel that connection. Mm-hmm. Both those highlight the importance, but also the downfall of communication. And I find that this is one of the biggest areas that people struggle in business is clear, concise communication in a way that allows them to deeply connect. Like you're now having the ability to do with your daughters in a way that you didn't have without communication as a vehicle. Yeah. So I'd be really curious how do you navigate communication in business and the fact that you are coaching and helping entrepreneurial minded consultants, the number one rule in consulting is to literally know where we are today, where we want to go and to be able to define the path there, which requires so much communication. So how do you facilitate this through the people that you serve? Well, the sign of a, uh, of an expert consultant is that they're a great listener. And Mm. I think that's, uh, the same in a personal relationship. So if we shift just for a moment back to my, my wife and I, um, my wife is from Japan. So we have, you know, we come from very different cultures and by default, I'm, I'm somebody that, that if I see an opportunity to improve something or fix something, I I don't want to just talk about it. I just want to fix it. Right. I think probably many Mm. people have that same kind of mindset. There's a very funny commercial. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it before, but the the wife or the, the woman has like a nail stuck in her head and she's talking to her boyfriend or husband beside her. And she says, you know, my head really hurts. Yeah. And he's going like, well, like, you know, he's trying to say that, well, I know why. And she's like, no, 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 just listen. So she just wants to be heard and, right, and listened to. And he just wants to tell her, you got a nail stuck through your head, right? So uh, I often kind of think about that. But for me, what I recognize on the personal side is that it didn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily matter what I know, like 
what I believe is, is the right way to do things because what I believe is the right way to do things is what simply what I believe. It doesn't necessarily mean that is, it is the right thing for somebody else. And so in consulting, when we work with clients, you know, we, we work with people at, at many different stages, those that are already running very successful six and seven figure consulting businesses, others that are transitioning from senior um, roles into becoming consultants. And the first thing that we always want to do is meet people where they are which mm. means that even though we may know when somebody tells us, like we have a belief of how we can help them right away or what they should do right away, we're not going to make a recommendation right away. We're going to ask questions because we want to put aside any of our kind of uh, you know preconceived notions or um, ideas of what is right and what is wrong. Because if we don't know the full story, then we may provide a recommendation that we think is the right one, but in fact, it isn't because somebody may have maybe have has already tried that or maybe it's just not the the right one for them based on what their specific goals are their business model their lifestyle uh, there's a lot of different inputs and, and factors and variables that are at play and so i think both in business and life listening asking questions and and only then you know providing some recommendations or suggestions uh is is the approach that that we follow yeah i Again, you have so many little nuanced elements to the things that you say that I love to to dive into. The one thing I want to hit on real quick is you talked about your wife uh, yeah. being from Japan. And I also believe you speak Japanese as well, but that English was your second language to begin with. So That's how right. many languages do you speak? What languages do you speak? And then talk about your philosophy of language integration in your home. Mm. And then I want to bring you back in a different direction. For sure. Um, so yeah, I, I was born in, in Canada at the age of two. My parents took my sister and I to Israel, uh, and I was there until about six and a half, and then we came back to Canada. So uh, my first language is Hebrew. Uh, and then in school, you know, well, I had to learn English, so I learned English. And then in school, I studied French uh, for about 10 years. Uh, and then after that, learned Japanese and lived in Japan for about six years. So, I mean, my main languages are English and Japanese. That's what we speak at home. Um, and we integrate that with our two daughters that even though they're surrounded by a lot more English than they are Japanese, we try and speak a lot of Japanese uh, at the house. And also they are in a couple of different Japanese classes each week. So we really want them to be versed in as much of the language and culture as they can uh, be because it's just so important for them to have that for, for, for who they are uh, and for their future. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I lived in Australia and England, both before the age of six, traveled the world quite a bit, moved around. And I think that the perspective of a physical location change, a different environment, a different culture completely yeah. provides perspective to people in a worldly view in ways that many other situations cannot. Travel mm. alone cannot. To live and immerse yourself in something is a completely unique experience. And you talk so beautifully and insulting about the level of detachment that you're able to maintain and the objectivity and non-judgment to any particular path or outcome. I genuinely believe that the best consultants are those that can operate from a place of high intent for understanding what's best for the other person and detachment from any given outcome other than what's best for the person that you're trying to serve. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that so beautifully. Can you talk about the variety of language, culture, and communication that has allowed you in business to operate with such an objective and open view to seek the right solution versus you having to be right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so first of all, you're very perceptive. And I love how you're, you're drilling down into, um, you know, all of this because it's, 
it's so important to to me personally, um, but it's also something that I take a great interest in. You know, some of the the best memories that I have are from traveling or uh, interacting with people from different cultures and religions and backgrounds. And like, I just love the diversity that the world has. And it's something that's I've always been drawn to. Um, and so from a personal side of traveling and, you know, spending time in different countries to working with clients from all around the world, I think what I've learned uh, and observed is just the importance of not making assumptions mm-hmm. there just because we do something in North America doesn't mean that it's the right way. And an example of that would be that the way that you approach sales and marketing in North America doesn't really feel comfortable for a lot of people in Europe, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people in Europe view North Americans and especially Americans as, as being <laughs> a bit more aggressive, right? And yeah. very direct. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like in many mm-hmm. cases, it actually works better in a business context to do that. But you need to be open to understanding how different cultures, different people view you know, just different aspects of, of life and communication. And so for everything that we do in, in our business and because we also do work with clients, even right now, you know, from with people like they're literally all around the world. Um, so it's, it's important that we don't bring our prejudice prejudices or kind of judgments or uh, our beliefs of what is right or wrong. It's more, here's what we know we don't know everything. Let's explore. Let's have conversations. And again, this is why it's so important to ask questions. Uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the more questions you ask, the more that you get to identify, like in the consulting world, when you talk about, let's say value pricing, which is one of the the, the greatest ways to earn more while, while working less, you, you can't arrive at value pricing without first having a really deep and meaningful value kind of based conversation. And a lot of that comes from, from asking questions that not only allow you to demonstrate your knowledge and, and expertise in a specific kind of subject matter, but it, it allows the other person to, to think and to about things and to see things that they probably haven't thought about or, or seen mm-hmm. before because you're asking in a way that gets them thinking about that stuff. So, I mean, that's really, I think the, the, the belief or the approach that we use in, in business that has served us really well is just to ask questions and to gather information and only when we feel that something is right for the person that we're speaking with uh, or the client that we're working with, then we'll make that recommendation for them. Yeah. Again, you just embed that with so much knowledge and wisdom. And I really love the call to attention, especially in the beginning on the removal of assumptions and the removal of expectations largely. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's something that so many high performers so many people that are on this path to reach levels of success that they've defined probably without as much clarity as they need to for understanding what success means to them. But so many people are in this rhythm of more, 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 but it also attaches most people to the outcome. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about when you started to become aware of the really, I'm going to call it need to remove assumptions and expectations for you to be able to exist and continue to move forward and add the most amount of value possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's definitely a shift for me um, several years back when my stepfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and uh, just mm. the impact of that had like the ripple effect of how it changed everything kind of in our household, how it really impacted my, my mother um, and just the shift in perspective that that kind of overlaid on top of my life. 
so I just started to, I think, appreciate everything about life more at that time. Um, and that, that helped also how I frame my life and the decisions that I make around business or, or personal to, again, you know, things like living in the present, um, and not focusing just on the goal and, uh, and destination, but really making sure that I'm enjoying the journey. And I know a lot of people talk about that. Uh, I think far fewer truly live it. And mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit that it, it's hard at times. I'm a very competitive goal-driven person. You know, you talked about English being my second language. When I came back to North America at the age of six and a half, I didn't know anybody. I didn't speak the language. I didn't. I felt like an outsider, right? I, I just really did not feel like I, I fit in. And so for me, the way to prove myself or try, try and kind of, you know, make a name for myself or fit in was to ex- try and excel at sports. And that's what I did. And I was very active in sports and I was quite successful in many different sports that I, that I played, but I have a very competitive nature to me. Uh, mm. But I also love teamwork and I love, you know, supporting and helping other people. Um, and so as part of all of that, I find myself at times being very focused on numbers or goals or outcomes as, as a way to kind of, it, it started off being much more as a way to, uh, to achieve, let's say, financial freedom or um, to know that I was on the right track, like to, to kind of say like, I've done this, or, you know, I've accomplished something. But as time has gone on, Brian, what I, what I truly view kind of outcomes and goals more about is it's just a way to challenge myself or to challenge those that, I, that I'm working with uh, because I don't want to sit still. I want to you know, continue to evolve and to improve. Um, but as, as you kind of pointed to, we spend a lot more time in the journey than we do at that destination. Mm-hmm. And every time that we've reached the, a goal that we've set, which we always do, then we're already thinking about that next goal. Yeah. And so it's just so interesting that I think f- people spend a lot of time thinking about their goals, but the goals are always moving. Like you don't just reach your goal and you're done. You reach your goal and probably before you even reached it, you're already thinking about that next goal at the higher level. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I do really try and optimize and make sure that my day-to-day lifestyle and how I spend my time is, is all about enjoying that. Like, cause that's the journey and that's where I spend the majority of my time in. So I'm very conscious of how do I start my day? How do I structure my day? Uh, I'm always thinking about what am I doing today that I don't enjoy doing and how can I delegate that or what can I do with that? Um, and I know that, or I should say, I believe that for a lot of people, we have like our status quo of, oh no, you can't do that. Or you have to do this because that's what somebody in your position does. And I just don't believe that. Like there's, every time I see somebody talking about, this is the best, like the, using the word best. And yes, I think we've probably used the word best in some of our marketing at times a little, you know, to get people's attention. But anytime you say the word best and you, you really like lean into saying that this is the best way to do something, to me, that just doesn't feel right because there is no best. Like that might be the best for you, but that's not necessarily the best for somebody else. So I think it's important that for all of us, and this is what I love about entrepreneurship the most, is that we truly are able to create anything that we want. There's nothing mm-hmm. that can stop us. If we know what we want and we're committed to that and we take consistent action, then nothing can stop us. And we can truly create whatever we want, however we want to spend our days, whoever we want to spend them with. Um, I mean, there's just so much... Uh, available to all of us um, if we're focused on it. You know, not surprising again, every part 
of our conversation continues to go deeper because you just literally layer things in so beautifully. And you hit on a really, really important topic a couple of times throughout the course of the, that answer. It started with the isolation and loneliness and disconnection that you felt when you first were in a position to try to learn English. And, mm. you know, then you talked about one of the best ways that you conditioned yourself to really receive connection and love was through validation and performance in a competitive athletic way. And yeah. so many of the high performers that we work with, so many people that are highly competitive, by the way, I'm slightly that way too. And I, I fit into all that same description and bucket that you did. Yeah. Uh, but I find that so often that's one of the biggest things to escape. And as you know, we believe it's always connected to the trash from their past. And you also hit on shame and this dynamic of really environmental and the world telling all of us that we should be some way or should want something. And it just implies that whoever we are, or whatever we're doing, isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. You also talked about this really beautiful separation that you now can have in this detached way to outcomes because you no longer are looking for the love and connection in that way because you've had external success that's given you the ability to create the life you've wanted with your wife and kids. So inherently, you're connected in full and you're now in a position that the outcomes are a byproduct of how much fun you're having in the process and what you're learning along the way. It changes the game at some point. When did that shift for you mm. from seeking love and connection through validation and performance to being connected and recognizing that all you can control is what's right in front of you? Yeah, great question. Um, I believe it was when I got to a place financially that I felt I was quote unquote free or had made it. Um, I got to a place where I realized, you know what, I've been thinking about kind of getting to this level for so long. And for me, from a young age, focusing on, on finances and savings and investment and building businesses and, um, you know, being conservative to a degree in terms of how I'm approaching saving and, and investments and all that. Um, you know, I was doing it cause I wanted to create that level of freedom. And in the early days for me, it was as simple as saying, what I want to have is making $10,000 a month. And I want to be able to take out friends and family and people that I, that I love and, and like for, for, you know, for meals without even thinking about what the costs are or anything like that. It was as simple as that in the early days. Um, and as all that developed over time, I realized, you know what, like, you, you've made it. You don't have to worry about, there's, I don't, there's still worries, but you don't have to worry about a lot of the things that you used to think about before. It's not that you have enough track record to know that there's always going to be, you'll always be okay. You'll always be able to take care of, of your family. You've done the, you have, whether it's insurance or money in the bank or value in different places that have been kind of, you know, set up and created, you're good. So the folks now for me, for me at that time shifted away from, trying to accomplish and reach certain financial milestones. And that doesn't mean that I don't still think that way today. I, I still do in terms of our financial performance and growing the business and, you know, all that, but it wasn't at the forefront anymore. I wasn't judging my overall success just based on where I was from a financial perspective. It was, it, it shifted to more being about just living life and making sure that, um, the way I'm structuring my life, like I'm doing the things that are important to me, to me. Um, and I'm, I'm growing as a person, I'm growing as, uh, as a husband, I'm growing as a father and hopefully I'm making improvements in all of those areas. I'm focused on taking care of, of my health and my wellness. Um, 
um, and I'm doing my best to live every day without regret, uh, spending my, my time in a way that I just truly feel good about it and um, that I won't look back going like, I wish I would have done something different or I always want to do this, but I, I held off because of this reason or whatever it might be. Where did the original definition of success being tied to financial metrics come from? I mean, society, um, I, 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 there's no blame. I'm thinking like all the places that we see this, right? It's, it's the media, it's social media. Like even, you know, growing up, there was no social media, of course. Uh, there's no internet, but all, all these, like it's just everyone that I knew and all the media that I was surrounded by, uh, that's what, I mean, I think even still today, like success for a lot of people is defined by, mm-hmm. by money, by cars, by jets, by, you know, yachts, by all this stuff. Um, and, uh, and I'm not blaming any of that. It's, it's all how I interpreted that and how I took it. But for a big chunk of, of my uh, developing years, success to me was having, having more money. Um, and over time, what I realized is that there's a lot of people who have a lot of money and they're nowhere near happy. Uh, and so what, do, what is success really? And to me, it's sure it's having some, you know, it's having, um, financial ability to, to be, to be free, to be secure, but it's so much more in terms of just f- the way that you feel, the, the people that you're with, mm-hmm. um, being, you know, being present, um, to me is just so important. Like this is why I'm actually pretty terrible at social media because I always think afterwards, like, oh, that would have been such a good place for me to make a quick video, or I had such a ins- thought that I thought was inspiring and I, or motivating, and I should have shared it, but I didn't because I just tend to be focused on what's happening at that exact moment. And I'm not really great at capturing those things all the time. Yeah, I struggle with capturing those things too. And I, I deeply identify with your rise with financial success and your shift to deeper meaning, understanding, and connection. You know, I know that for myself, I chased the what because I didn't have a healthy model for chasing anything else. I didn't really know how to chase the who. I didn't know how to align and connect with myself. And for me, right, though it wasn't a conscious thought, in hindsight, it's been pretty clear that the acquiring of money and things was also in a way to create prestige in a way that people Mm -hmm. may or may not want to actually be around me, right? And that was something that at 27 years old, I woke up and realized it cost me the ultimate price, which was who I was. You did talk about loneliness. You did talk about isolation. You did talk about disconnection. And until you had this shift in your definition of success and you had acquired the amount of financial wealth to create the freedom that you desired for yourself, what was that experience like for you? And how much of the journey was that uh, over these last 25 years? Yeah, uh You know, I think it's it's still something that I I I don't think it's gone. Like, I, I, there's still the the remnants of that that past mindset. It's still there. It's just that I operate from a different place these days, um, mm-hmm. or my 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 focus is on like that's just a very small part. But it's the, the remnants are still there. Like, I still, as I mentioned look at financial performance, mm-hmm. uh, look at investments, look at savings, you know, think about money. I, I'm still drawn to some of those, you know, uh, 
images that are out there in in society. But but for me, the shift was. I think maybe just Brian, if you could just talk a little bit more. Like you're, in your question, are you asking really about how I made the shift, or or more about for me more what changed? What was your experience before the shift? My experience in in the grind and the rise of building a business and creating the financial freedom for yourself, getting there until you were capable of making the shift. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? How did you experience it? What thoughts and what emotions were going through your life? How were your relationships? Things were, I mean, I I would say very good in many ways, you know, my, um, probably where there's been, well, so one piece that I didn't talk about that certainly had an influence on a lot of my trajectory or the steps that I took, um, at an early age is that my parents got divorced when we came back from Israel. Uh, and for me, that mm. was, that was a big, like, you know, that, that caused a lot of anger in my life. Um, but again, I, this is where I started to just channel a lot of that into, into sports. Uh, but then going forward from there, you know, I, I've never had a quote unquote real job. Uh, I started mm-hmm. my first business with my cousin, Sam, uh, just like leaving high school. And then we continued to build different businesses. And at times it was together or other team members and other, and other times it was just something that I would do myself. Um, but I've always, you know, I think sh- certainly there, there were a lot of challenges building businesses that any entrepreneur can, can kind of, you know, understand that you get, feel like you get punched in the gut and, at times you wonder like, should I be doing this? Should I give up? Should I pack it up and go home? And I remember in the early years of being in Japan, I had many experiences of things like that because I wasn't a native speaker of, of Japanese and certainly was not I'm, not, I'm not Japanese. So a lot, a lot of cultural nuance things and just challenges that, that uh, were presented. And I had those thoughts of, of doubt and mm-hmm. self-esteem and confidence and you know, am I really cut out to do this? Maybe I should have taken that six figure job offering that I had and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But to me, as the years have gone on, the more that I learn from others and, and study about entrepreneurship and business and and life and um, just the universe around us, the more that I recognize uh, and, and understood that challenges are simply lessons and opportunities that are Mm. given to us and they're not bad. They're not negative. Uh, and so now when a challenge comes my way or something that I didn't expect comes my way, uh, I'm not worried about it. I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not frustrated. Um, I don't see it as a negative. It's just simply like, okay, this is a bump in the road. We need to, how do we navigate this? Uh, because I know that every, challenge is really just an opportunity for us to learn and to improve. And I think that's really what, in my experience, when I look at the people around me who are very successful, again, entrepreneurs, when I say successful, I I mean, I should define that it's uh, not just about success from a financial perspective, but also just how they kind of live their life. I think a lot of that comes from that they've just accumulated a lot more experiences of of handling challenges. So I, I welcome those and that that's really, I'd say, been my journey. So certainly, I've had um, challenges to overcome. But uh, once I start to realize that this is normal and this is part of the game, and this, if you want to continue to grow, then the best thing that you can do for yourself and for those around you is um, recognize that this is normal and accept it and welcome it. Um, 
And so when that, you know, so that I think was a big part of it for me, Brian, the, the other one that I think played into this too, is I started to become much more conscious of what, tr- what was triggering me. There so if I was, let's say at home, um, at the dining room table and I'm talking to my, my wife or somebody or whatever, and all of a sudden like a negative emotion would just like rain on, on top, like rain through my mind back in the day that when that would happen and it would just kind of take me completely off course. But then I started to ask myself, well, what caused that? And I'd trace, like go back a few seconds and I'd realize, oh, I just looked at an, like my phone and saw an email or I just thought about this one thing. And so I started to connect what was causing these emotions, positive or negative mm. to occur. And when I recognized what was happening, it was very, then very easy for me to say, okay, that's what, ha- that's what caused it. I'm going to put that to the side. I'll come back to that later. Or once I knew where that emotion was coming from, it was much easier for me to process and to navigate. So these are just kind of a few of the things that uh, I think I've learned or, or observed that have really helped me to, um, to navigate just the challenges of, of life and entrepreneurship. You just beautifully articulated the art of introspection and the last step of our pillars in believing how to help people move, right? The trash from their past is the triggers, the mm-hmm. emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning that exist that have either not been unpacked or have not been processed effectively that cause us to react to a current stimulus in front of us and transports us to a place that has nothing to do with right in front of us, right? You just so beautifully said, it's like when you would load the dishwasher incorrectly, it's really how your grandma looked at you when you were four that caused this reaction and your ability to catch it and understand how it moved in your body, how it moved in your world, i.e. what triggered you, allowed you to pause long enough to just reflect and recognize is what I'm reacting to right now have to do with what's right in front of me Mm -hmm. or some historical stimulus that doesn't serve me in this current moment. And you were allowing yourself to move. So I just wanted to call attention to how beautifully you articulated that. This is a fundamental belief system that I have. And I will tell you that it's that exact same model that allowed me to move through my shame and my anger. I have five or six different ways that shame moves through my body, five or six different ways anger moves through my body and over 50 to 60 triggers associated with each that I'm Mm -hmm. aware of, right? And the fact that you've gone to that level of work doesn't surprise me in any way. You know, when I listen to all of your answers, who you are, how you've shaped your life, you're someone who has consistently either been forced into or has aggressively personally sought deep perspective in multiple areas. I often say that perspective is what points us to what's important, but it's also what allows us to see the other side and actually be objective and non-judgmental in the way that we might consult, advise, or guide. Mm -hmm. And so you have built very successful businesses and you've been mentoring, developing, and coaching other entrepreneurs who are in consulting specifically to grow their businesses, become more profitable, add more value and all of the above. Mm -hmm. In all of your experience and years of doing that, what is the greatest challenge, i.e. lesson and opportunity that came through your experiences? And if you could give us a little bit of insight into how you're helping all of the folks that you serve today. And when you say challenge, you're referring to the challenge that most consultants tend to face. I'm actually asking about you in growing that because I'd (laughs) love to have, again, I think the typical challenges I'd love the answer on too, but I want to know your challenge. Yeah. um, 
I mean, there's, there's so much, man, that we could, we could talk about here, right. That, that comes up. Uh, I'll tell you one that, that just comes to mind for me right away, which is that for, for several years in this business, uh, we, we really approached it as let's run this, um, as much of as a kind of quote unquote lifestyle business as, as we can, let's avoid building a big team and hiring more people and really scaling this because we have a great business. It's very profitable. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and we set these limiting beliefs or we connected that lifestyle business and growing a team and scaling like th- those two things don't, don't work together. Um, and then a few years back, we, we were just seeing so much demand uh, and the business was growing so much and we realized that we, we can't make the impact that we want to have just doing it all ourselves. And it wasn't that it was just us, but it, it was, you know, small kind of part-time or contract team working with us. Um, and so we needed to make the switch. We needed to, to think about how can we actually, you know, go about building a team and delegate a lot more and not be doing all the coaching directly ourselves and being involved in all this stuff. And so we, we talked through it, we planned it out, you know, we took a leap of faith. Um, but that was for, for me, one big thing that I think really held us back. And I believe, uh, relates to or uh, also works for anyone, even if you already have a big team, most of us, in my experience, hold on to way more than we need to. And we, yeah. spend, a, we spend a lot more time than I believe that, than we should worrying about or hesitating, like what might go wrong. Yeah. And I, I think it is important for us to always consider like what might go wrong and plan around that. But if you know that you need to do something, or if you really feel that it's worthwhile, then you know, you go for it. And so that's, that's what we did. We went for yeah. it and uh, it turned out much better than we expected. We had far fewer issues um, than we thought might uh, rear their head. And so that, that was a big one. I think there was a can second. We, can we yeah. pause and talk about that real fast? Yeah, Cause course. I want to, I want to hit on that for, for two sure. reasons. One, I want to be clear that this is something that we continually will struggle with in business and as an entrepreneur is the perpetual recognition of what we can be letting go of. I know. I mean, that was a question I asked you when we saw each other is I, yeah. I asked you point blank, like, what were you afraid to let go of? Is it related to one very specific thing that you were thinking through? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't have to go there and I'm not taking you there, but it's consistent where we need sometimes an external lens or a mirror to show us, right? Like that maybe we can let go of something that we'd convinced ourselves we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about that so beautifully. What's interesting though, is that you said you cannot have a lifestyle business and actually scale like the traditional business. But what's interesting is, is you shifted to traditional business and learned how to create processes and trust people and create scale by leverage and delegation you actually got to live the lifestyle you desired yeah. because of the business you created versus trying to have your business fit the other way. That's, that's exactly it, right? So that was that in, incorrect limiting belief that I had that, yeah. uh, that a lifestyle business, you can't have that when you have a big team around you or when you have all these systems and processes. That, that to me, in my previous mindset, equaled complexity and yep. more moving parts Therefore, that's going to erode the lifestyle. And what I've learned right over the years of, of going through this and start to see the impact of not right away, but pretty quickly after uh, making that leap is that uh, you have far more freedom by having better systems, by having processes, by having 
team members and people that you can rely on. Um, and, and it also, it's just a heck of a lot more fun when you get to build something with other people yeah. um, and you get to make such a bigger, you know, a, a bigger impact because you now have a lot more capacity to deliver or to, um, you know, to work and to serve. Uh, and so for, this is definitely, you know, a mindset that uh, I've seen many people th- uh, go through, including myself and, and one now that I feel very fortunate to have gone yeah. through because we get to help our clients navigate the exact same, yeah. you know, situation of how do you go from a solo consultant to maybe having, uh, an executive assistant or a couple of people to get into 10, 20, 30, whatever it might be, number of people and, you know, and, and growing to millions of dollars, um, based on the experiences of what we found has, has worked. But, uh, that for me was was definitely a challenge and yeah. uh, a real uh, point of, of learning, I would say. Well, thank you for letting me slow you down and get clarification on that as well, because that's what I heard you saying is like, yeah, I had to overcome this yeah. internal limit and recognize that my definition of success changed over time. My definition of what a lifestyle business looked like and how to create leverage and scale shifted over time. You know, we say definitively that people are not stuck in their lives and in their businesses because of the wrong strategy and tactics, mm-hmm. right? They are critically important in their lives and businesses to create leverage and scale. And that's what you just articulated so beautifully. But what you also embedded in your commentary is that the thing that kept you stuck wasn't necessarily the lack of them. It was the internal block that was actually preventing you from leaning in to build the systems and processes that were necessary to create the leverage, And so we always say that the thing that keeps people stuck is 100% connected to the triggers and to the trash from their past. And you just talked about that. I would love to hear how I know you're supporting these other businesses to be able to follow the same path that you did. Learn how to create systems and structures. Learn how to deploy these things and, and to really monitor and create scale in their consulting businesses. I'd love for you to hit on any specifics that you think are relevant as it relates to what you guys are doing in that space. But I'd also like you to highlight the human component because I know in consulting and working with many entrepreneurs and businesses that, again, you can outline all the solutions based on listening to them, hearing what they've told you they need, Mm -hmm. even putting intuition to create proper solutions. Yet that does not mean that they will actually act or move because of whatever internal blocks exist. Yeah. How do you balance and integrate your consulting to evaluate the things that people are hiring you for and the internal work that you know they need to do that they aren't necessarily coming to hire you for, but is necessary for them to move? Yeah, no, I love this question. Um, So we actually start thinking about this before we even engage with a client. Mm. Uh, The way that we market, the way that we create content, essentially the story that we tell we're, we're trying to be very clear on who we want to work with and who we feel we can truly help and those that we can't. So our, our goal, even in our marketing, or if you go to, you know, the consulting success.com story kind of about page, we, we have a whole like little mini documentary there and that's going to turn a lot of people off. Um, but it's going to attract the kinds of people that we have shared values with. Uh, and it, it's not going to be a hundred percent. There's still going to be some people that might reach out uh, who aren't necessarily the right fit or who might have more internal hesitations and they're not necessarily action takers as we, we would love everybody to be. But the, what the principles that we apply uh, or the way that we go about this, Brian is number one, we we've engineered our, 
our framework, framework we call the consulting success framework, to essentially be an 80-20, meaning that there's just so much information and noise out there like people are drowning it. Nobody needs more information. What they need okay. is the right information that's going to help them to see transformation. And so our whole framework is engineered in a way where uh, we want to give people the minimum amount of information they need that's going to allow them to actually see a real result and make mm. real progress. And so that that's in terms of like the training and, um, and, and the content and the intellectual property. But the other thing that we're, we're very focused on is mindset. Uh, and one of the most common sayings that we, you know, we just drill into clients over and over again is imperfect action. And mm-hmm. I, I just love that saying because uh, what holds people back, as you, you know, you spoke to before, is not a lack of strategy or tactics or methodology. What holds people back is the hesitation that they have, um, you know, because they they just don't feel confident or they're trying to have everything perfect. They want to, you know, just know that things are going to work before they take action, but. But, or afraid of judgment or criticism or ridicule or any exactly. of the things, right? Correct. Yeah, like the list goes on. So what we really try and share with people is our own examples of investing a lot of money into building a, like a business and a specific piece of software many years ago, only to find out that when, when we launched it, the market didn't want it. And, you know, we had to pivot and adjust. And luckily, we were able to turn that profitable and later sell that business. But we learned that that painful lesson of trying to get things just right or hesitating too much and not doing the work that we actually need to do, which is to, to get out there and see what really works in the real world by, you know, through validation, through having conversations. So uh, our, our focus is arming people with the right systems and the right strategy and the right plan specifically for their situation. And because it's not a cookie cutter one, you know, kind of one size fits everybody, uh, people have more confidence in that knowing that they now have a plan specifically for them. But then we guide them through that plan and really encourage them through accountability and and mo- kind of mindset uh, to say, hey, take action on this. And so we, what we try and do is we try and chunk down the actions that they need to take or how they roll out specific tactics or, you know, their, their activities so they don't need, they don't, we're not just saying, hey, here, do this big thing and then leaving them to try and figure it out themselves. Because if you do that, most people will just delay and delay. So we give them one small thing to do. They do that one small thing. And then all of a sudden they go, they feel more confident, more comfortable. Yeah. They're seeing some progress. And we just layer that on. But the other things we've also done is, you know, we recognized a while back and I have to uh, give a nod to Naomi on our team who brought this up at a, at a meeting um, you know, a little, little while back, which was, we started a call that we call the mindset mastery call. And so for in our program, we do a call every month just where we bring in an expert around mindset or to talk about something specific. We should actually talk to you, Brian, about having you maybe come and join one Let's time. Do it. Um, because our focus so, so much of the work that we do with clients is around business and it's, you know, helping you with your pricing strategy or your proposals or your marketing systems or how to scale up and build your team or different things, you know, your messaging and positioning. Well, that's the business side, but but the area that we recognize that we don't spend enough time on is everything else, like the mm-hmm. mind, the body, these things that if you don't take care of, I mean, every entrepreneur knows if if you if you're having an issue with your relationship, or if you're not feeling well, or if there's some doubt going on, you're not going to show up and be at 100% performance. Like you're you're going to yeah. really struggle. So we've tried to incorporate a lot more on the mindset side into our programs and into the work that we do with clients, because it really is the balance of bringing both those things to the table. If you need to have the right strategy, you need to have the right tactics, you need to take action, but you also, in order to do all that, you need to show up, 
yourself in the best way that you can. And, and so much of that is the mindset and, and the body. Yeah. Well, shout out to Naomi. That uh, sounds like a really awesome program that's adding a lot of value, creating deep connection in your world. Uh, I know we're wrapping up here real quick. I have one more important question for you. I'm curious, where in your life are you still hesitating? Oh, man. Um, I'm sure in, in, in many ways. Um, so one right now is with our house. Um, I've been thinking for a little bit about moving to a bigger house and making some changes with that. Uh, but there's elements of we're very comfortable where we are. Our kids are close to the school. Uh, my wife likes the area, right? Uh, the commute time would probably change. So there's just a lot of factors around that. But, you know, just being fully transparent, like as you ask that question, that's the first thing that comes to mind to yeah. me, for me, because it's something that I think a lot about in terms of, hey, let's, so um, that's one. And there's, a, there's probably a, lo a lot of others. There's a lot of things that I, that I want to do that I maybe hesitate. So for example, another one is I want to restart doing yoga. I used to do a lot of yoga before we had yeah. kids. My wife and I would go to yoga. And now as I'm getting a little bit older, uh, you know, I'm, I'm finding that my body is like not as, uh, you know, nimble and, and, and kind of soft as, as it was before. And uh, so that's something that uh, I've recently started to think that, you know, I got to get going on that. So I'm probably hesitating a little bit more than I should on something like that, that I really think would be good for me going forward. Yeah. Well, thank you for being willing to jump right in and even answer that question. And I think you already know that uh, dig, in, dig in a little bit to figure out what's stopping you or what's causing the hesitation. I'll remove it and you'll move. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, is there any closing thought you'd like to leave people with? Uh, I just want to um, put the spotlight on you, Brian. I think, you know, when I met you right away, uh, it was very clear to me that you are a very articulate, very thoughtful, very deep person. Um, I love the way that you're showing up. Uh, I think the work that you're doing with this podcast and some of the other things that you shared with me um, are, are just fantastic. Just so I'm, I'm glad to get to know you, and uh, it's a real honor to to join you here. So I just want to thank you and honor you for showing up the way that you do because uh, it's very powerful. And I think anyone that is uh, lucky enough to, to work with you will will really benefit from the work they do together. Brother, man, thank you very much. I will receive that. That's, uh, that's one of the things I hesitate with sometimes is receiving. And uh, it's, it's an area that I still work on. So thank you, because uh, feedback is important. And for everybody else, I just want you to understand perspective points of you at what's important. Michael's life walked you through what that means. Multiple languages, multiple cultures, situations of disconnection, isolation, and loneliness that caused him to seek love, connection through validation and performance in sports and ultimately led to map the same narrative around financial success that were given by the world. He was able to actually look inward and recognize that the greatest source of resistance in almost every area of in his life was internal for the things that have yet to be. And his ability to put himself in the present and focus on his connection, his communication, and the way that he navigates the obstacles of his life that have turned into lessons and the treasure that we talk about that's buried behind that trash from your past. He's found it. You can too, but all I'm trying to get you to recognize is that it's important that you flip open that lid and take a look inside to see what's risen to the top. That's how Michael learned to move. That's how you'll learn to move. And until next time, Make sure you flip open your lid and scan your can.